Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily recorded at our Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. I enjoy a good board game from time to time, and... On certain occasions, some of my friends have told me that I'm a little competitive. Uh, I used to to wonder at that, what what they were seeing in that, but now I've accepted it and I own it. I am very competitive and I like to win. (laughs) And usually I can bring that competitiveness and, you know, desire to win and strive after it and balance that and still be able to enjoy the game. Because after all, you know, we don't, play board games to be able to destroy our friends, but we play it so that we can have fun together, so that we can enjoy one another's company. The board game's just a vehicle. But there's one particular board game that from the very first time I played it, it got me. There was just something about the gameplay that I wanted to win and I was always frustrated by it. And I would get to the end and instead of having enjoyed the time with my friends, I would be bitter and sour about not having won. So, My competitive nature in that moment, in this game, was robbing me of being able to enjoy this time with my friends, this game that was supposed to be about having fun and enjoying. Recently, though, I played this board game with with some of the brothers in the seminary here, and we got to the end of the game. I didn't win. Um, But when we got to the end of the game, we realized that all six of us that were playing, we were all like only one or two points away from winning. Everyone had done really, really well. It was like one of the most competitive games that I'd seen. And there was this beautiful shared experience that we had. We weren't only kind of going, oh, look how well I did. I got so many points. But we were all kind of celebrating how everybody had done. You know, oh, look, you got all of them and you did that and you did that. We all did it in different ways. I see in this a beautiful image of God's heart and how he wants us to be together. He wants us each to be able to rejoice and celebrate in in how he has made us, how he works in our lives, the gifts and the talents he gives us, the beautiful uniqueness that is me. But he also wants us to be able to celebrate one another, to be able to look around with our brothers and sisters and say, yeah, you know, that's a beautiful creation of God and you're a beautiful creation of God. And it's wonderful that he's made us all in this beautiful but different way. He wants us to be able to celebrate and delight in one another. That's, that's God's heart. If we did this all perfectly all the time, though, I could just leave the homily there. <laughs> so that, that, that might be a nice short mass, you know, just a two-minute homily. But this isn't always the case. We're not always able to see the beauty, see the goodness in our neighbours. We're not always able to delight in that and celebrate it. And while that happens to us a lot, we also see this in our readings today. Both in the Gospel and in the first reading, we have two very similar scenes. Firstly, from the book of Numbers, in our first reading, we had Moses was leading the people of Israel, but it was a bit of a burden, he was finding it a bit tough, so he asked God to take the the power and the authority that God had given to him and share it with a bunch of other men that they elected, to share in the leadership with Moses. So Moses went aside with these men to a particular place and God came amongst them and poured out his spirit on these men. 
they all began to prophesy. They started to speak out the word of God, showing that they'd been given God's spirit in this way. But there were two other guys, Medad and Eldad, who, they were on the list. They had been chosen to share in God's spirit from Moses. But they had, for whatever reason, they hadn't turned up to the party. They had remained back in the camp. But when the spirit fell on those who were off with Moses in the presence of God, and they began prophesying, Medad and Eldad, who were back in the camp, they start prophesying too. But Joshua reacts and says, oh no, wait, they're not with us, so Moses, you should stop them. Then let's take a look at the gospel as well. Very similar scene, because John, who's one of the disciples, one of Jesus' close-knit group, who Jesus has given his disciples the authority to do powerful works in his name, John sees this other guy who's casting out demons in Jesus' name. And John comes to Jesus as if he's kind of showing off what he's done. He's like, hey, I saw this guy and I tried to stop him. (laughs) Now, if we think about it for about two seconds, we can realize that speaking the word of God or prophesying or or casting out demons in Jesus' name is a good thing for the kingdom. (laughs) It's something that God wants us to do. So we should be celebrating it. John and Joshua, when they heard about this, they should have celebrated. You know, Joshua should have come to Moses and said, hey, isn't it great? These two guys are prophesying as well. John could have come to Jesus and said, isn't it great? This guy is doing mighty works in your name as well. But they couldn't see it like that. They said, they said to stop them because they, they weren't with them. Something wasn't right. And I want to explore what was it that was stopping Joshua and John in these instances from celebrating God's work in these other people? What was stopping them from seeing God's work in these people's lives and reacting in the way they did instead of rejoicing and celebrating? And of course, I'm not only talking about Joshua and John, but I want to ask, what is it in us that when we see other people doing other things that instead of celebrating it with that delight of the heart of God, what makes us react in other ways? Firstly, I think there's something that can spring in us that presumes that we're in God's favor or we're on God's side because of something that we've done or because we've put ourselves in the right place or acted in the right way. Now, it's good for us to want to be on God's side but when we come at this with a, with a presumption about ourselves, the flip side of it is that we see others and think that they're not in God's favor. They're not on God's side. And this is why Joshua sees me, Dad, and Eldad back in the camp, and he's like, they're not with us. They didn't come to the party. Therefore, they shouldn't have received the Spirit of God. And so in John's mind, when he sees this other guy doing works in Jesus' name, He says, no, he's not one of the disciples, so he shouldn't be doing things in Jesus' name. But we must remember that our favor from God, our being on God's side, is not anything that we've earned. It's not a result of our actions or our being worthy or deserving or whatever. Our membership in Christ and any work of God that he wants to invite us to participate in is a pure gift from God. It's his graciousness that allows us to participate in his work in the church and in the world. It's his 
graciousness that allows us to be beloved in his eyes, not because we've earned it. So if God wants to work through that person over there, praise the Lord. If God wants to reveal his word through this person over there, then praise the Lord. If God wants that person to know that they are a beloved child of his, then praise the Lord. Let's recognize that and celebrate it. That's how God wants us to act in freedom. But we can be stopped by this if, if our being in God's favor depends upon a, a presumption of our merits in that. The other way we can rob ourselves of this joy of celebrating God's goodness in others is by a spirit of competition or of comparison. Now, we all want to know that we're doing okay, that we're kind of doing well in the eyes of the Lord and that we're, we're good and we're loved and we're worthy. We all want to know that. That's a very important desire of our hearts that we want to be answered or to be fulfilled. And we can look for answers to that in many, many ways. But one convenient way is to look at others and compare. Look at others in some way that we can measure, um, some way that we can easily see, like, am I living up to their model or the way that they're doing it? Now, don't get me wrong, looking at others for examples, looking at others who are, who are holier than us or better than us in some way, that can be a great source of inspiration. That can be a great way to encourage us to grow and to be all that we're meant to be. But this turns sour when we begin to find our identity in this comparison. When I'm looking for my identity in, am I as good as that person? Or am I as holy as that person? Am I as kind as that person? Or am I as generous as that person? When that's how I define myself, very quickly, I'm not going to be able to see and appreciate their kindness. I'm going to see their kindness and it will either be proof of my lack of kindness, that I'm not good enough because they're more kind than me, or I will look down upon them because I'm more kind than them and I boost myself up. I, found, I, I prop up my identity because I'm better than they are. So not only is this a, a fragile way of finding that security in our own identity, but it stops us from being able to appreciate God's goodness in anybody else because they're either a proof of our superiority or a proof of our inferiority. We identify, we identify ourselves against everyone else, and it just breeds an envy and jealousy and stops us from this, this delight of loving and celebrating one another that God wants to share with us. So it really comes down to this question of where we find our identity of how we, how we know our worth. And we can find that in comparing ourselves to others, we can find that in presuming that it's because of our merits or our actions that we are favoured in God's eyes. But these are never really going to answer that important question, that important yearning to know that we are good, to know that we are loved, to know that we are enough. It's never going to answer. There's only one place we can go to find an answer that will satisfy that question, and that's to come to God to hear that. To God who says to us, you are my beloved child, my favored one. To God who says to us that 
I formed you in the depths of the womb, and I know you. To God who speaks over us, I rejoice over you with dancing. God who says to us, I have prepared a place for you in my home. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. God, your Father, created you with all the love overflowing in his heart, and he delights to see you live, to see you grow and flourish and be all that he made you to be. He made you unlike anybody else, beyond compare. And he never bothers to ask the question of whether he likes you or whether he delights in you more than he delights in any of his other children. There's no comparing. And once we discover how our Father's heart delights in us, he wants to share his delight in all of his other children. He wants us to be able to delight in our brothers and sisters, to rejoice in who they are, to celebrate them, to celebrate God's goodness in them, to delight in them as the Father delights in them. Now, it's a lifelong journey for each one of us to discover more and more the depth of God's love for us. Now, I've just rattled off a bunch of scriptures by which God speaks that truth over your life, and I invite you to sit with them and check them out. They're in the description of the YouTube video. But a really simple way that we can respond to this word, this desire of God's heart for us today, is to begin to celebrate. To celebrate who he has made us to be. To spend some time celebrating how God is at work in our lives at the moment. To celebrate the talents or the gifts that he's given us the unique way that he's made you that's unlike anybody else. Celebrate that unique goodness that is you. But I also want to encourage you to try and celebrate others. Because if we find that hard, one great way is just to take some time aside and pick someone that you know and try and find some, some good, beautiful element in how God has made them. When we're coming out of this mindset of competition or comparison or our own sense of earned worthiness, we can only see others through this judging lens. But ask God to share with you something of his heart for that person. It can be hard to pick out something that you want to celebrate in others. I often find it hard to see the good in others in that way. It can even be hard for us to find things in ourselves that God will want to celebrate. What is the unique, beautiful goodness that God put in me, the way that he made me? But God so loves that person, whether that person is you or someone else, God so loves that person that he's dying to share it with you. He's dying to invite you into his heart to see as he sees. It's like stepping in and and not only glimpsing, but participating and sharing in this celebration 
that fills the heart of God. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.